0: Before we get started on this week's episode, I'm inviting you to join me with a project. A couple of listeners to the Lisa Fisher Said podcast asked if I would devote one episode to an AMA format. That's internet and Reddit talk for Ask Me Anything. So do that, ask me anything by emailing me at lisa at lisafishersaid.com. Link is in the show notes. There is a C in Fisher. Now, let's get started with the usual introduction welcome to the lisa fisher said podcast i'm lisa fisher a longtime broadcaster and journalist in arkansas who's been in front of a camera or a microphone since the 1980s i think of myself as the queen of arkansas media for this episode your mind is going to be blown by what the man behind the concept of minimalism has to say we're an over-consuming society and he'll have you rethinking that extra spatula joshua becker The man behind Becoming Minimalist is my guest. You'll get to meet him right after this. The kids are back at school, and what are you recognizing? That they're filthy pigs? Now, okay, that's kind of an overstatement. You might have pristine little children. Mine were always messy. And because of that mess and dogs and things like that, we had to rip up the carpets. And we didn't do it till oh, over a year and a half ago when I found out the great deals at Acles Carpet One here in Little Rock, Arkansas. If you're anywhere here in the natural state in Arkansas, you need to check out what Acles Carpet One can do for you because they beat the big box stores. Nobody else can say that. Nobody else can make that claim. And get this, they answer their phone. And they have customer service, the things the big box store doesn't necessarily have. And they've got great financing and they have great products. Now's the time to pick up the phone and call them or just see what they have online. You could even look at their current promotions, special financing. People, they have cabinets, they have backsplashes, they have flooring, all the things for your home, and they're the nicest people in town. AclesCarpetOne.com. onecom
1: She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher.
0: All right, Joshua, this is how this is done. This is the conversation that people either love or they'll hate. They'll love because they want to embrace this lifestyle you have of minimalism. Others will um, turn on Disney show tunes so that they don't have to feel the conviction that we're, you're going to give them when you tell them to get rid of their crap. So let, let me well, let's walk down the path. How did you start this lifestyle of minimalism?
1: Sure. Well, I hope they don't turn to Disney yet. I'm pretty kind and pretty nice <laughs> right. and pretty friendly, so I don't yes, I don't yes, think yes. they'll feel uh, too convicted. Uh, how did I get started on my path to minimalism? Um, my journey started on a Saturday morning, uh, where I woke up to clean out my garage, uh, which is a pretty typical weekend in America, right? right? It's a a
0: dad project too, isn't it?
1: It is. And I hoped that my five-year-old son would play a part in cleaning the garage with me, which lasted about 20 seconds.
0: That's, that's pretty long.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, he grabbed his summer toys. It'd been this, winter in Vermont and we're now coming on springtime and so you just clean out your stuff and that's what we tend to do on the weekends. My, uh, my son goes in the backyard to play with his uh, wiffle ball and wiffle ball bat. And uh, he says, Dad, will you come play catch with me? And I said, I can't because I'm cleaning out the garage. This is, uh, this is my job for the day. We've all been here, right? We've all been here. I start cleaning out the garage. Uh, one thing leads to another. Hours later, I'm still working on the same garage. My son's running up about every 10 or 15 minutes asking me to come play catch with him. I just keep pushing him off. One more minute, one more minute, I'm almost done. The first, term I, the first time I ever heard the word minimalism uh, was from my neighbor. That day, my neighbor's doing all of her yard work. I'm cleaning the garage. I start complaining to her about all <laughs> the time that had gone into my garage. And she says, you know, that's why my daughter is a minimalist. She keeps telling me I don't need to own all this stuff. And so I remember looking at the pile of dirty, dusty things in my driveway that I'd spent hours clearing out of my garage. And out of the corner of my eye, I see my five-year-old son swinging alone uh, on the swing set in the backyard where he'd been all morning long. And suddenly realized... Uh, that not only were my things not making me happy, although most of us would say that, uh, we're not looking for happiness in our possessions, not only were my things not making me happy, but all the things I owned were actually taking me away from the very thing that did bring me happiness and joy and meaning and purpose in life. And I think that that's really the, the switch that had to flip in my brain and in my mind and how i see the world and how i see possessions it's it's not that they don't bring us happiness it's that the overaccumulation of them actually distracts us from real living and real happiness and real joy. So that's how it started for me. Thanks for letting me share the story, by the way, to get us started. Well, it's
0: a beautiful picture you painted because we all have been there and also, and I'm looking at that Norman Rockwell picture of uh, the Becker family or, or dad Becker cleaning out the garage. You're fiddling with things you probably haven't even touched in years but you still have them in the garage just in the event that you are ever going to be an NHL NHL player <laughs> or you're going to uh, revitalize your NBA chances because we do that with our crap, don't you think? We keep it thinking, I'm going to use this someday.
1: It is uh, a very unintentional accumulation of possessions that we have. Certainly in America, most developed nations are still the same way where where I don't think any of us set out to just have as much junk as we possibly can or just have as much stuff as we possibly can. Like no one's greatest dream in life is to just have as much stuff as possible. Well, very few people. But it very unintentionally happens. Like we get suckered into buying things that we don't need and this mindset comes up that we got to hold on to everything that we don't need. And we keep all this stuff. um, And it, it distracts us, you know, steals our money and time and energy and focus.
0: Well, let's talk about that day in the garage. What was the first thing? What were the first things you got rid of?
1: Uh, The very first thing that I cleared out was my car the things in my car because so the <laughs> so the story goes I had, this, I had pulled my cars out of the garage um and hey
0: congratulations you could park them in the garage yeah, well, Smoke. yeah so many people uh, have so much crap they can't even get their cars in the garage i
1: think uh i think the stat is 25 percent of people with two car garages can't park even one car uh, inside <laughs> oh my gosh there. yeah um but uh i had pulled the cars out and I'd had this conversation with my neighbor where I like, immediately started seeing my things differently, which by the way, if anyone hasn't turned to Disney yet, I, I would hope that this, that <laughs> I would em. get to be-
0: You've hooked them
1: That I would get to play m- my neighbor's role in your life. <laughs> right. You just start to see things a little bit differently. And so I, uh, I pulled my car into the garage and I started looking around my car And there were all these things that didn't need to be in my vehicle. There's old maps and there's old receipts and pens and ketchup packets and Happy Meal toys (laughs) and books and empty water bottles and like just all these things that didn't need to be there. And so I grabbed a bag and I just put everything in the bag that didn't need to be in my car, literally leaving like just the... Um, insurance and registration, and like that was about it, a pair of sunglasses, the old CDs I didn't listen to, and I took them all out, and I didn't even sort them, I just set them on the side of the garage. And the next morning, I remember getting in my car to drive somewhere, and it felt so nice in my car like less distractions it there it was just like i was able to focus on my day rather than the red ball rolling around in the back or the pile of pens jiggling in the uh, in the door there and it was just it was a feeling of peace and freedom, like literally that not having the physical distractions around me uh, allowed me to focus a little bit more on my day ahead and so um, that was the first thing we did.
0: So the first thing was with the car, but then what about all the that crap that was in your garage that you thought you were gonna use or tend to someday? How, sure. how do you start paring that down?
1: Sure, well, the garage I got to much later Um, because the next thing we did was the living room. And uh, it's actually very funny that you would ask that because um, when I talk about minimalism, when I talk about owning less, when I talk about the benefits of owning less and how it improves our lives in very practical ways, uh, one of the first questions that I get from people is, but how do I get rid of X, whatever it might be. And their mind always races to what is the hardest thing that I would ever have to get rid of. But how do I get rid of my books? Or how do I get rid of my sentimental things? Or how do I get, how do I go through the entire garage? How do I go through my yarn stash? And like they always, (laughs) their mind rushes to the hardest things to get rid of. Um, And what I recommend, the the process that I always encourage people to do is get rid of the easy stuff first. Like get rid of the things that you know you don't need to keep. Um, And then begin moving room by room through your home because everything that you get rid of clears up a little bit of space uh, a little bit of freedom, it's a little less stress, it's one less form of visual clutter or visual distraction. And the less you own and the more you begin to experience, hey, it's just easier to clean my home because there's less things in it. Uh, I've gotten rid of some decorations I didn't really like and so everything that I have up, I love. Uh, it's easier to cook in the kitchen because there's less clutter around me. Like. The more you see how owning less benefits your life, the easier it becomes to eventually tackle the sentimental things or go through the garage or the attic or the books or, or whatever it might be. And so that was a long answer to how do you eventually get rid of um, some of those hard uh, hard items to think through? Um, you, you become convinced that owning less is improving your life, and then when you get to that item, whatever it might be, and I'm happy to go through any specifics, but you will you come up with a solution. You're like, okay, owning less is better in my living room, in my kitchen, in my bathroom, in my closet. Now, how am I gonna get rid of some of the things in my garage, and let's just figure some of these things out. So that's so more of a general it, thing. I'm happy right. to go through any specific. I understand, specific. I understand.
0: But do you think this was then, uh, a spiritual destination for you or was it more of a practical one because you know what I'm saying is it something we have to really trans in our heart change or is it something we're just going to go through the motions on the outer part of our lives
1: um i think that the uh that's a good question um there is certainly a um there's certainly a moment where we where we need to see it where well there are some people who live and they just know that they have too much stuff. Like, I, I, I've i got to declutter my home. I've been saying it for years. Like, I just know that I need uh, to go through this process. Um, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking that when I was cleaning out the garage. I just was trying to organize it after the winter. But there was this, this, um, change in how I how I viewed possessions and how much time and money I had wasted on them and how my life is just more valuable than chasing and accumulating physical possessions. And so there was a like there was a moment we call it a heart change or just a, a, a mind shift change that started me on the process and then it got practical okay, I'm gonna get rid of the clothes that I don't wear. I'm gonna get rid of the, the duplicate utensils in the kitchen. I'm gonna get rid of the DVD collection that no one watches anymore. And the more I made those practical steps towards it, the more I saw the benefit of it in my life, which brought about more heart change and more desire to live this way going forward. Um, I, I kind of uh, compared a little bit to going on a diet, right? Like it's it's one thing to go on a diet and lose ten pounds and not make any changes in how you eat going forward, and you just gain the ten pounds again after you've lost it. And so some people declutter, but they don't make any mind shift, heart changes, and, and things reclutter. just collect again. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, or you can. Yeah. You can own less and you can see the benefit of it and it can spur this heart change and you can start to see how consumeristic our society is and how empty promises advertisers are offering us and just really begin to see, hey, there are better things that I can do with my money and better things that I can do with my time than constantly chasing more and more things that don't really matter in the long run.
0: So, are you telling me during the pandemic, when there was nothing else to do, you didn't buy those shoes from China that were very uncomfortable because <laughs> they were so cute on your Instagram feed?
1: Uh, no, I uh, I did not.
0: <laughs> I did and took them to Goodwill as soon as I could get oh, out of my house. There you but, go. There you go. so that's what you know. Consumerism, obviously, I think I'm helping the gross domestic product or whatever it is, helping the economy. But this device I'm holding my phone is what we all looked at during the throes of the pandemic when we weren't leaving and we were all accumulating. We were all buying more. I mean, you weren't, but the rest of us were. So are there ever times then that you think you see that ad that runs on the side of your Facebook page and you think, I'm just going to look at that real quick. Oh yeah, I need two of those. Do you ever have those moments?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, I, I think that there are times that I fall into the fall into the same traps. I, I think that they're far less. They are
0: traps. I, they are they traps.
1: Are. I, uh, I and think
0: our devices know so much about us. They yeah. know where we're vulnerable yeah. to those traps.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, 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 I think that they're far less than they, than they used to be. Um, I don't think i fall into it too much, but yeah, certainly, I, you know, it's a, to live is to err, I think, uh, unfortunately. Right. And um, uh, I hope the the longer I live, the the less mistakes I make going forward.
0: Right, right. Uh, now, okay, what, oh, what, now let what me mention, year was it, Now, though, let me mention you, one thing. Oh,
1: uh, there yes. are other ways to spur the economy than buying shoes from China, of I course. I have to hang up. And, I'm sorry. Uh, and I, and, I, <laughs> and it's, it's a bit of a misconception <laughs> that that if I become minimalist, it means I stop spending money. I, I can still spend money. I just spend it on different things, whether it be experiences with my family or giving to charity or whatever. You know, the the economy can still go. Uh, it's just buying less shoes from China.
0: Yeah, they're really crappy. <laughs> well, that's a whole nother conversation because they come in sizes like for cabbage patch of oh, <laughs> the clothes they were about that big. But I don't do that anymore. What year was this revelation for you?
1: Uh, so we are uh, 12, 13 years ago, about 12 and a half years ago.
0: Okay, so I, I'm just sitting here thinking about the Norman Rockwell picture of the Becker family then at the first Christmas, where you give each child a piece of paper and go, here son their words from rudyard kipling and i hope you have a merry christmas i mean do you open gifts at your home at christmas
1: uh we uh we give our gift. we give our kids three gifts uh for christmas uh right. we give one thing they want uh one thing they need and one experience to share with the family uh That's and it's worked pretty well for us so the one minor be, grown and it's worked yeah, the want would be you know toy or whatever. I, they're um, 19 and 15 now, so but they started started. We were yeah. uh, five or six and um, yeah, uh, and so there was. Um, sorry, I'm trying to do the math in my head on the ages, and that wasn't quite lining up. But um,
0: that's okay.
1: So I, uh, really one thing bad. they want, yeah. one thing they need, and then one experience to share with the family. Like kids are changing and growing, and so you know they need clothes or something, but. If you buy clothes for, for your kids, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a cheap T-shirt from Target. So my son has always loved football, and we lived up in New England, so he always loved Tom Brady. And so, like, Good. one of the things we great. would get would be like a Tom Brady jersey, which is a shirt that he wears to school, but it's a little little extra special and a little extra that's nice. That's awesome. And then, no, that's um, a great
0: way to put that. Yeah, um, I'm noticing even with my kids because we did do the three gifts as they went through their growing up years, that my oldest child, who is almost 29 and has two kids, now because people, see this is the other thing, people assume then you need more crap when you have these kids. And my daughter's like, don't want any more crap. <laughs> don't give us any more toys. And so she's all about like gift certificates for the girl to come organize her cabinets or the the people to come, Molly made to come clean her house. And so but that is her mentality because she's wired that way i do even though i raise my kids like this i do have one that's a little bit of a pack rat Mm -hmm. not pack rat, a little sentimental so then where do you draw the line because people think that i'm crass because i'm like get rid of it get rid of it because i'm not really sentimental so what do you do do you hold on to those sentimental possessions or where do you draw the line
1: so it uh, certainly looks different from, uh, from person to person, uh, and I tend to be a little bit more like you. And I, I, I do think that um, minimalism benefits anyone anyone who pursues it, regardless of their personality. Yeah, that's but, a good
0: way to put it. Yeah,
1: But I, I think that some personalities gravitate towards living with less a little bit easier. But regardless of your personality, you can always own too much. Like, you know, some people like having a cluttered desk. Well, you can still have too much clutter on your desk. And uh, some people are sentimental, and you can still have too many sentimental things. Um, So for me, so I'll just address both personalities. So for me, uh, it's always been a only the best mentality, um, even down to the one thing. Like, what is the one thing that most represents that Relationship or that accomplishment or that experience. Uh, my grandfather died uh, over Christmas this last year. And so, um, when the relatives were at the home and deciding what to get, I was like, What is the one thing that represents his values, uh, what I want to emulate about him in my life? Like, what is the one thing that represents that? And it was That's a, good. Uh, yeah. He was a pastor for years and years, all the way up till he died. And so, it was a a little, And he was a shepherd when he was younger. So it was a little, a little shepherd with a sheep. And I'm like, I, I think this represents who he is. And so um, I took that. And now it like it's on display in my home, um, as opposed to boxes of things that, that go in the basement. When my grandmother died, it was a photo of her um, that just, I think, showed her beauty and love. And um, yeah, just caring, very caring photo. And so... That's um, sweet. So that's always been my mentality, only only the best. What's the one thing that most represents that? Uh, when it comes to people with like a little more sentimental um, personalities, I recommend, and I recommend this a lot in a lot of different ways. I say, uh, pick a physical boundary and then um, decide what to keep that fits within the boundary. So for kids with toys, this works great as well. But let's say you have two boxes full of sentimental things from your grandparents. Um, I would would challenge you to see if you can fit it into one box instead. And so lay out everything and just choose the things that can fit in one box. Because what that does is it tends to, um, we tend to discover pretty clearly what are the most important things that we want to hold on to when there's no space constraint and you can keep everything? Then you can keep everything. But if you were, but if it was said, okay, just one box or just 10 things or just five things, then usually it doesn't take too long to pick out, oh, I got to keep this one and this one and this one and this one. And if I have these four or five things, then everything else can go. And so it helps us sort out. Most important from kind of important is the way I like to say it.
0: Okay, clothing. That is a beast that follows us. Sounds Uh, like it. I see. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) I mean, if I've got the shoes from China, I've got so many (laughs) other things. But you're in your uh, Steve Jobs black V-neck shirt. I'm in my Steve Jobs gray V-neck shirt, so I'm not too far behind. But how do we start paring down the clothing? Because isn't part of our fatigue the fatigue of having to make decision fatigue on what to wear what to do with all of our stuff
1: yeah yeah the uh the whole decision fatigue uh in the morning uh the idea that the more decisions you make in the day the the less wise they become by the end of the day and so uh, owning fewer clothes uh, eliminates some of those decisions Um, another thing that people don't typically think about is um When you have a lot of clothes, uh, clothes that you don't wear, for whatever reason, they don't fit anymore, they don't fit quite right, or um, whatever the reasons might be. You bought them on sale and never really liked them that much. Like, there is this, um, I think this mental weight every time we open the closet and it's like oh i really should wear that shirt that i bought and i only wore once or man i really wish i could fit into those jeans again like we hold on to all these clothes that we want to be able to wear uh, thinking that we're going to get into wearing them and like i can see some space for that but if it's been years and you haven't fit in those jeans then that's years of looking in your closet and feeling discontented and wishing that you were someone that you weren't. And uh, I think Mm -hmm. just embracing the new stage of life that you're in, the new season of life that you're in, the new size, whatever it might be. Um, So for clothes, uh, I think it starts with just uh, getting rid of the clothes that that you don't need. Um, realizing that you wear 20% of your clothes, 80% of the time is what the statistic statistic says. And like, just, and just embrace that. Like, don't, don't fight against it where I need to look different every single day or whatever it might be. And just say, okay, these are the clothes I like to wear. These are the clothes I feel best in. Uh, I'm, i live my best life when I'm wearing these clothes, which is why I keep wearing them over and over again, and um, there's a, a good chunk of clothes that you that you can get rid of. And then, I always challenge people, there's this thing called Project 333, uh, and people should Google it. Uh, Courtney Carver started it, and the whole idea is you take this three-month experiment where you wear just 33 articles of clothing. Uh, and you're not burning all your old clothes, you're not giving them to the goodwill, but ideally you would you would box them all up uh, and just put them away in a different closet or in the corner of your closet, and just for three months, so it's not the rest of your life, just three months, uh, confine yourself to 33, 35 articles of clothing and just test it out and see what happens. Uh, because most people, begin to like the idea of having a thinner closet of everything in their closet is something that they love. And then after the experiment, they typically bring back a few items, but never as many as they originally started with. Um, So I I think that's a great one. It's a tough one to start with. You know, if you're just hearing this for the first time, you might be really flipping over to Disney. Um, (laughs) but, uh, But I would say, you know, just start with clearing out your closet of the things that you that don't fit, that you don't like anymore, that you never ended up wearing and and then as your closet gets a little bit thinner, yeah, maybe I will, you know, test out this experiment and push myself a little bit further even.
0: Now, with your children, do you have one who's a girl? Yep. Okay. How did she feel on that challenge because that's something that uh, you said she was a teenager. That teenage group is really influenced by what Instagram influencers yeah. are saying, what people are doing. they you know, Kylie Jenner has twenty five Lamborghinis and you know, a thousand uh, sh- pairs of shoes and Chanel bags and all that. So, how does she feel about what society tells her and what uh, the small, still voice of Joshua Becker, uh, Becker tells
1: her? Yeah. Um, uh, she has not done the experiment, which is very interesting. Okay, now that you mention right. it, I uh, I don't think I've ever asked her to do it. I wonder if she would. I wonder if she would do it if she could. Um, uh, she so she's 15 now, and uh, uh, certainly getting into more and more of that. Uh, so she would have been two years old when we started this process, and so she oh, just okay. turned 15, and so um, so her entire life has been, you know, this is. What Dad talks about, and he makes a big fuss when things come in the house, and <laughs> um, but my my wife has always handled the the kids' clothing uh, more than I have, which is probably uh, probably good. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, it would be uh, it would be interesting. Um, uh, uh, she's she's a gamer. I think she might be. Not like a video gamer, but but she'd be right. in for she, a challenge. She's up for it. Yeah, uh, I, I can see she, that. think uh, she might be interested in doing it. Maybe not in August, in September, when school is first starting, but maybe uh, when she kind of right. gets used to her clothes a little bit more. But it's, you know, you mentioned Kylie Jenner, and, uh, like, I get asked a lot, you know, well, how do your kids, uh, are you depriving your kids? Like, how do your kids respond to this? And... The reality is that there is always going to be kids that have more than your kids do. Like whether you're pursuing a minimalist life or whether you're just spending every dollar you have on clothes for your kids, like there are always going to be kids that have more clothes and have nicer cars and bigger houses and, the newer phone and the newer technology. And you don't, uh, the way I like to say it is you, you don't, you can't outspend envy. Like if your child is envious of someone, of something that someone else has, you can't just buy that thing to solve that issue because there's always going to be another thing. Uh, and so at some point, like kids need to learn hey, there's limited money that we have that you're going to have. There's limited space in your home that we have that you're going to have. There's limited time that you have in your life. And so learning to to live within those boundaries and uh, deciding what's the most important things to put inside those boundaries is actually, I think, one of the most important lessons that we can teach our kids. And, kids who don't learn boundaries become adults who don't set them. Um, and that becomes um, a a whole range of issues.
0: Love your space again. You know, that's the philosophy behind what Katie Buchanan does when she comes to your home and gets it organized. She creates an orderly space, And she begins it by editing and ends with a sustainable plan. I love it and you can get started right now. I got started with her over a year ago, just helping me pare down before I made a move of a home I've lived in for 24 years. Guys, I couldn't do it without her. She makes me love my space again, love the things that I've kept and I've had to part with some things, not because she insisted, She gave me the sensible reasoning behind it. I'm like, not sure I don't want that. She can help you do the same thing. The link to her website is in the show notes and you can call her today no matter where you are and get started. LittleRockPaperScissors.com. Well, I know with our kids, because we've always had both a frugal mentality. My husband, you know, it's just, you're either frugal or you're not. He's of the frugal variety. I'm not. but in raising our kids, it's fun to see them now as adults have the same mentality. Cause we always said, um, whatever it is, you, you know, they're say, well, I need this. I need this. We'd say, well, is it a want or a need? Cause if it's a need, I'll provide your clothing. So our son who's 26 now always was losing his shoes. I mean, he's a big boy and they were like a size 14, how you could admit they were small boats, but he's always losing his shoes, football cleats or whatever. And so we'd say, well, we'll buy the first pair, but everything else is on you. Same thing with the retainer he lost. (laughs) He lost so many retainers that the doctor, the orthodontist said you buy five, you get the sixth one free (laughs) because he, my son had to buy them. So once you start instilling that and that it's on them and, and they've got skin in the game, we did that same with their college. We did it with just every, philosophy and now they thank us because they said now we see the value of things so they didn't get cars until they had jobs that took them someplace where i couldn't take them Mm -hmm. and they were used cars Mm -hmm. and they drove them until the wheels fell off you know so that's part of that mentality of your daughter being raised from age two on she's gonna see the value of it especially as she has peers who are overindulged and that's when my kids really saw it when they went to college and the roommate was on the phone going, mom, send me a thousand dollars. And my son said he was cringing going, I've never asked my parents for money. You know, I, I either made it myself or I didn't buy something. Yeah. Same thing with college, you know, so chill, it's in her. I'm just telling you, yep. raise them up, train them up in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from yep. it, the but, yep. you know? God's work
1: tells yep. us that. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's easier, I think in life, to start with the frugal mindset and yep. you know make a bunch of money and kind of fall into that other lifestyle like that's a much easier way to live than to start living luxuriously and lavishly and wasteful as a kid and then somehow dial it back when you get older right? like it's that's right uh, it's much more difficult to go that way and um, and I, I love the yeah um, your uh, your proverb there is right and total or true right. and, and perfect. And
0: truthfully frugal people are always frugal my husband could make as much money as whoever you know david coke well he's passed away whoever the cokes or the bloombergs or the you hate to say trump because i don't mean to make it political i'm just saying of the what the vanderbilts mm-hmm. let's say the vanderbilts it wouldn't change him he still has a budget says we're only spending this much every month because that's a frugal mindset of people and i have i've caught some of it it's a little bit is of it is contagious after 34 years of marriage uh but i see the fruit of it so and that goes along kind of a minimalist lifestyle
1: it is uh it is far more enjoyable to live life with simple tastes uh within your means under budget than it is to live a lavish life constantly um in debt I'm just, oh, it'd I'm be just, a terrible feeling. I'm just pretty convinced of that. It, it looks it looks flashy on the outside. It looks more fun on the outside. To from the outside to be spending all your money on everything and having your credit cards maxed and um, having you know all the the latest, greatest, everything. But um, in reality, I, I I would far prefer to live simple um, under means. But that being said, you know uh, minimalism. <sighs> minimalism um minimalism and frugality uh, don't have to be the same thing like there are some people who prefer end up living a minimalist life because they're frugal and so they just don't want to buy a lot of things um, but one of the unforeseen benefits of minimalism that i noticed in my life is that when you own uh, a smaller quantity of things then you're able to own a higher quality of things, and so if I don't need five or, if I don't need 10 or 12 pairs of pants in my closet, I can have two or three that are a little bit nicer, they fit me just right, same with belts or ties or kitchenware or furniture, like anything. If I'm buying fewer of them, then I can actually spend a little more money on the things that I do own. Uh, And some people can, you know, fall in that, same trap i i guess you could say of you know just because i become a minimalist doesn't necessarily mean i spend less money i'm just buying really nice things um
0: but that you'll keep forever so that's my husband's philosophy is that the rolex watch he has that he has cleaned every year and he you know puts it in his case every night he's had it for 30 years and where I've been through 15 watches, mine is vacuum cleaners, it's kind of a joke in our house, but I say they really don't have long shelf life, they really don't live a long time. And I said, there isn't a Mac Daddy of a vacuum, I'm sure there is, that German brand, I can't remember what it is, um, that I would need, you know, that would be the only one I'd get. Because my husband, he's the one that got me the really nice designer handbag a few years ago, and he said, all right, you're done, you don't need another one. And I just went, what, are you talking to me? <laughs> you Because... Know? his philosophy is you you have the nice louis vuitton bag i have two you're you don't need anymore and so i really i like that it's just hard to sometimes uh, you know gulp and take it in so that i probably need a therapist for some of these conversations that we're having um okay let's now let's talk about the other stuff that we accumulate okay so when you're a minimalist and you've got your black shirt there that you're wearing and let's say you're going on the two-week trip to europe do you have enough clothes to make it through the two-week trip or do you have to stop halfway joshua becker and use um a laundromat in italy i mean how, how does that work then with minimalism with all your things
1: a uh, a two-week trip uh would require a trip to the laundromat okay yes.
0: and you're fine with that
1: yeah Yeah. Uh, we typically do laundry once a week. Um, and so I have, yeah, about enough to, to get me through, uh, get me through a week. Um, probably a little bit, a little bit extra. Um, but yeah, it, uh, works for me and, um, I don't mind it at all. We've been on a couple different road trips that were longer than two weeks and yeah, we stopped at a laundromat, uh, along the way. I, I, how many trips have I been on that were two weeks long or more than um, where I didn't have a laundry thing with me? I don't know. If we go on trips, we tend to stay at an Airbnb and so they have a washer and dryer. Yeah, and that's we just, true. You know, wash our clothes. Uh, yeah. wash our clothes when we're there. I, I can think of one trip where. Uh, I had to go to a laundromat in San Francisco and wash our clothes because something didn't <laughs> work out. Something didn't work a, out quite right. But.
0: Right, and it cost $1,000 uh, if you had to use a lot of quarters, their laundromat. It's a, a whole lot of quarters. You to, Right, you had to pay the government half that <laughs> if you go to San Francisco yeah. to pay for it. Um, okay, so what, what, what was Joshua Becker in this world before he became a minimalist? Like, did you have a corporate job? Do you, have you always been a speaker and a writer?
1: I was a pastor for 15 years uh, before doing what I'm doing now. I've been a uh, shepherd. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, got that from my grandpa, obviously. I've been a yeah. uh, pastor. I've been uh, writing uh, for writing, speaking full time for the last eight years, uh, but I was a pastor for 15 years. Before that, my dad was a banker. Um, and so I went to college to go into banking. So my degree is huh. in banking and finance, uh, but then yeah. Uh, felt called into ministry um, just before I got my undergraduate degree, so um, so I went and did that. So I have a undergraduate degree in banking and finance and then a master's degree in theological studies and then um, pastored for 15 years. And loved it. Loved every minute of it and didn't want to stop. But um,
0: Well, don't you feel like you're still shepherding people as yeah, you're I like moving so. them toward change? That's what our pastors do as our
1: shepherds yeah i like to think that i'm playing a, a, a similar role or a, a different role um yeah obviously my, my faith is still very important to me and uh, i want to be doing what i mean not to get too overly religious but i, I want to be doing what god wants me doing uh with my life and i feel like i'm doing that now so sure
0: no i'm a christian preach yeah i mean I, that's uh, god's plan for all of us is Yep. Very unique, and he knows how many hairs are on our head. So yep. of course, he would want to know how much stuff we have. Okay, so then w- when you start looking at we we talked about the garage. And we st- I wrote down it's the fact that we're going to get ris- rid of the easy stuff first. We're going to go there, and then it's to the everyday living. It's the pots and pans. Um, I'm I'm a home cook. So I do prepare a lot of foods. I do entertain people. So I kind of battle and do I keep, I, I got rid of the walk. I just moved into my dream home two weeks ago, got rid of the walk cause I can use something else. So how do you start? Like, you know, like the kitchen, where do you, where do you go? How do you start?
1: Um, so the kitchen, uh, I usually consider to be one of the most difficult, uh, spaces for people. Okay, I can good. give you, I can give you the exact, Order of rooms that I think people should nope. work through. Okay. Uh, Starting with it your down. car uh, and then tackle your living areas. By that I mean living room, dining room, a porch, perhaps like living room, dining room, family room, den, those types of rooms. Uh, then do your bedroom, then your b- uh, bathroom, closet, uh, kitchen. Then you can do your kids' stuff. Don't do your kids' stuff till you've done all your own stuff. Everyone wants to know how to get rid of their kids' things. And I always say right. it is entirely unfair for you to make your kids get rid of their things before <laughs> you've gotten rid of yours. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, kitchen, uh, kids' areas, and then home office, garage, attic, basement, uh, those types of things. And uh, and the, the, the goal is um, I think you're moving... Easiest to hardest, starting okay. with the most lived-in areas. Um, so try to do your entire living room, uh, your entire dining room, and then move on to the next harder, uh, next harder spaces. It's not always that way for everybody, but typically um, that tends to be a pretty good order. Um, and so when you get to the kitchen, I, actually, the there's an article in the New York Times that helped me so much when I went to clean out the kitchen that I continue to send everybody to it. Uh, Even when I wrote my book, The Minimalist Home, which is this room by room guide uh, to declutter your home, I I referenced the list in the New York Times article. Uh, Mark Bittman, uh, he's a professional chef, and he writes this article called A No Frills Kitchen Still Cooks. And people should Google it. A No Frills Kitchen Still Cooks. And he, uh, again, a professional chef, so he's not just some Joe Schmo writing some article. He's a chef. And and a
0: well-respected writer and everything.
1: Yep, and he says, if you own these 33 items in your kitchen, you can prepare any meal. That has almost oh. ever been created, and okay. so um, there's a lot of like multi-use. Like you got to be good yeah. with a knife, and it's you know you don't have the the you know the the avocado slicer. Like you got to slice your avocado by yourself. Right. But right. with <laughs> these 33 items, uh, you can prepare any meal. And so I found the article, and I went to my kitchen and i pulled out 33 items the 33 things the stainless steel bowls and this type of knife mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm trying to think this type of skillet and pan whatever it was and I, I set those 33 things aside and then i looked at everything else that i had in my kitchen and there was way more than those 33 things and i said okay well, which of these things do I really wanna keep? Do I really need to keep? Knowing in the back of my mind that a professional chef, that a cook could make any dish they wanted with just these 33 things over here, but i uh, it's still kinda like this apple slicer you know and so oh, i
0: i got it from the pampered chef yeah. i know exactly what you're talking <laughs> right. about
1: so held on to held on to a few of the things still from that leftover list but knowing that there were extras and i didn't really need them so that's that's how i did my kitchen and uh honestly i've, I've never regretted i i love ki- i love cooking more now than i ever did before uh my counters are clearer uh i i know what everything I have and where it is. And so trying to find the, the thing that I need, uh, isn't as cumbersome as it used to be. And literally I, I did not like cooking that much until I went and I did that process. And now I, I, I love cooking. And honestly, so what were some of
0: the things like is the rice cooker, uh, something that's frivolous and the, Oh, the instant pot that everybody has.
1: Well, How many years of your life did you live without an Instapot?
0: Right, exactly. But everyone makes me feel like I need to have
1: one. And you were just fine. Uh, Right. Are are there ways to make rice without a rice cooker? Yes, of course. Um, So, yeah. So, no, those things weren't weren't on the list. I kept my rice cooker and I still use it. And I I think it's worth the convenience of having the rice cooker. So, I don't need it. I can make rice in a pot. But... I right. kept the rice cooker because um, we use it uh, quite a bit. So, uh,
0: And I, I honestly... I,
1: I don't have the list in front of me, so... Oh, I'm
0: Googling it. And I will put... Anything we talk about, I'll put all of your... Great. I'll have the link, of obviously, to your website, to your litany of books, uh, to Project 33... Is it 333? Yep. And uh, the New York Times article. All those things will be in the show notes yeah. for anybody listening. It's a great
1: article. It's super helpful article just for me to changed my thinking of what I needed to cook. It just changed my thinking of what I needed yeah. to cook.
0: And I have, I've followed him for years. And in fact, I'm a student at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York right now. And he's one of our instructors and just heard from him last week. So he is prolific in um, his information about foods and the, even the political side to food and yeah delicious food yeah,
1: yeah. Um, he was uh he was very gracious to let me uh reprint his list in in my book and so i'm very thankful that he was you know willing to share that
0: and here's a tip i don't even think you need a slow cooker because if you just have a good dutch oven like your grandmother had you know an iron skillet or a, a big uh vessel with a lid you can slow cook it in your oven it doesn't have all the condensation that comes on the top of a crock pot yeah so that's, I mean, I've really even made that minimalist because people say, well, did you put it in your slow cooker? I go, well, your oven, if you put it on about 225, that's a slow cooker. Yeah. Uh,
1: I would, if, if that is too drastic of a step for someone, uh, I would say just get rid of the duplicate items in your kitchen that you don't need. Like how many spatulas do you have and how many can you, how many, at most, how many do you need at a time or- That's hurtful. Coffee mugs or knives or whatever. Coffee
0: mugs, get rid of.
1: Whatever it might be, like just just start looking at, it's actually a great place to just start in the home. I, I love the room by room thing, but if it's, if you want an easier place to start, like just start like looking at duplicate items, like how many, I can get rid of half of my towels and still have towels to dry myself off. Oh, I can get rid opinion, of half of then? my spatulas and still have spatulas. And so there's no- Yeah, b- spatulas b- are hard. There's no so. big life change. I still have the things, I just have less of them. Uh, linens and candles and decorations. And
0: Aren't you the two them. towel per person guy?
1: I, uh, I, rec- I found an article when I first started minimizing uh, that argued that you only need two towels uh, per person in your home, uh, I'm one with you. one to be drying with and one to be in the laundry. And um, as I tell the story, uh, I it made it made so much sense to me. I'm like, well, that's tough to argue with. You're right. Like, <laughs> I, especially in Phoenix, you know, where it's so dry and your towels dry before you even done using it. Um, <laughs> you're right. I don't need more than two towels uh, per person. And then I went to my closet, and a family of four, they're like. 24 towels with that closet and that closet and the guest closet and i'm like i'm not quite ready to go down to two towels per person um that would just be eight towels but i certainly don't need 25 towels in my home and there must be some middle ground that i can find that that works and so um got rid of all the old ones and kept just all of our favorite towels and um as works Since So I I share that story a lot about that as a way to just I think just change our thinking a little bit with the kitchen where okay you only need these things to cook and all this is extra. You can have some of the extra but you can kind of change your mindset about I have to keep that I have to keep that and I have to keep that and same with towels or whatever it might be.
0: How long do you think it takes someone to go from your room by room of your? I wrote down about nine different, maybe nine or ten different areas. You start at the car and you finish with the attic or the basement.
1: So uh, that will depend on a lot of different factors: Um, how much you have when you start, uh, how much you want to get rid of your, even your physical capabilities, how how much time you have to devote to this. I typically share. What was our time frame? Um, and I do it in three different um, segments, which I think are helpful for people. It took us three months to go through all of the lived in areas of our home. So, three months to go through kitchen, living room, dining room, bedroom, closet, bathrooms. So, three months to do the spaces we lived in. It took us nine months if you wanna add in going through everything in the garage, going through everything in the basement, going through everything in the shed, because those are spaces that you don't live in. I mean, you drive in and out of your of your garage, but you don't spend time in there like you do your bedroom. So three months for the lived in areas, nine months if you wanna count those um, really difficult spaces that you spend a little less time in and tend to have a lot more stuff that you need to go through. Um, typically. And then uh, we actually moved into a smaller home three years later. Uh, And when we moved into a smaller home, we were able to get rid of even more stuff that we didn't even realize that we could get rid of because you just tend to fill the spaces that you have. So uh, three months, nine months, uh, eventually three years. But um, I think most people can go through the lived in areas in three or four months is what I recommend and then start working on some of the other spaces.
0: Well, I was following the geography. You were in Vermont. You, you're now, or at one point, in the Phoenix area. Yeah. That cross-country move then was a lot simpler when you paired it all down. Yeah,
1: and uh, that's when we moved into a smaller house. Um, when we moved from Vermont to to Phoenix, um, I knew that my house was bigger than it needed to be. Once we had minimized our possessions, I think, you know, a lot of people think they need a bigger house when, in reality, they just need less stuff. <laughs> uh a pretty easy solution um in a lot of scenarios so uh when we made that move um we we took a lot less stuff it made a lot easier and we bought a smaller home uh than we had before which saves tons of money and uh, tons of energy and and time and maintenance and all the things yeah actually the there's a really funny story because we moved from a bigger house to a smaller house in phoenix and uh, we were getting ready to move in and my wife wanted to change the carpets. She's like, I think we should replace the carpets. And we had looked into replacing the carpets in our house in Vermont. And I'm like, oh, that is like a huge expense. Um, But we had bought such a smaller house in Phoenix uh, that replacing the carpets actually wasn't all that Expensive. Um, plus, not every room is carpeted in Phoenix, and so right. it was like, right. huh? We have a smaller house. Replacing the carpets costs way less than it would have been in our huge four-level house in Vermont. Let's let's do it. Let's you know, let's make it make it something that we that we love even more. So.
0: So, is your nineteen-year-old in college yet?
1: Uh, just started uh, last month. Yep. Yeah, just. Started. Oh oh
0: oh! That's a hard time for a parent
1: uh yeah yeah it's uh but how
0: did so he it was easy for him then to box up things because you know you only get to take like two boxes and a piece of luggage you don't get to take much with you
1: yeah not much uh he moved into an apartment with uh with a couple different friends and so um they you know kind of decided what each person was was going to bring but yeah he didn't he didn't need to to take much uh, yeah at all
0: and boys especially just need a few things i remember when i Took my son, um, someone said, Are you taking a boy to college? Because I'd taken a a girl first. And they said, They just need two sets of sheets. They go one for the first semester and one for the second semester. (laughs) Which, as a mother, gives me a little throw up right here. But um, they really, they're not going to wash as much as you think. And,. I mean, they might brush their teeth. The things that you tried to instill raising that kid. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck to you. Mm -hmm. And then you get to my point where we're empty nesters. And so everyone's asked, my husband and I, as we just built what was our dream home. My husband was an architect major. He actually got a degree in finance. but So he has always had the Frank Lloyd Wright, you know, loves all the glass and steel. And they said, so are you downsizing? And I said, really, for us, we're right-sizing. I said, we have less crap, but we have bigger living space because of our view and things like that so there comes a time that just because you're getting up in years like i am um i don't have to live in a tiny little box you know i can enjoy my thing i'm I'm justifying it to you just in case (laughs) no i know i don't have to but my point is as you go through seasons of life your seasons change into what you think everyone because everyone's asked us are are you downsizing i go well i i I really don't want to tell you all my business but (laughs) it's, you end up embracing the things you want less. You definitely, I, I feel like that's universal. I just, we want less or fewer things and then to enjoy those fewer things with the family you have. So
1: my, uh, my mother-in-law, um, when, uh, when her kids moved out, uh, they moved into a, um, much smaller home. Uh, actually it was a town home and it was in like a, Community, so they didn't have to handle the yard work anymore, and yeah. they didn't have yeah. to fix anything because it was a part of where they uh, where they were living. And she loves it. Um, she's like, I, I love having a-, a smaller place to take care of, and it costs less. And uh, oh, we get uh-huh. to do a little more yeah. traveling, and um, she gets to spend a little more time with lunches with friends, and um, so. But. The, the whole seasons of life thing is, um, it's a big factor in what we keep and what we need to have and what we need to own. And um, I have an online course uh, that, I, uh, that, I, that I take people through and the mom with six kids and she's homeschooling and she's like, how do I get rid of all this kid stuff? I'm like I mean, there's just a reality that if there's eight people in your home and you're homeschooling, that you're gonna have a lot more kid stuff than the empty nesters. Um, and so you, you try to figure out, like, what, is it, what do I need to have for this season of life? Um, what's the, the excess that's keeping me from making the most of this season of life? Uh, and then as life changes, we're now down to three in our home and in a couple years we'll be down to two. And um, so what that looks like uh, will certainly, certainly change, always take some adjustment, but it's a big factor in deciding what to keep and what to get rid of. And, uh, and I, I typically say this, but minimalism always looks different from one person to another. Like the goal of minimalism isn't just to own the fewest amount of things as possible. The goal of minimalism is to own just what I need so I can make the most of my life. Uh, Like minimalism is removing distractions that keep me from my greatest values and my greatest purposes and my greatest pursuits in life. Um, And that changes from season to season, it changes based on your occupation, it changes based on where you live, if you live in the country, if you live in the city, if you're a a teacher or an architect or a dentist or a writer, if you have two kids or six kids, um, you know, all those things are gonna factor into what you keep.
0: I think we've covered all the bases. You, You are so inspiring, all the information in the show notes But um, the online course sounds fabulous because that's something anyone can do anywhere. And I've been that homeschooling mom. There is a lot of crap you have with that too. (laughs) So all the things, Joshua, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by clantoncreative.com.